0: Welcome to the Inspired Energy podcast and the special Roaring 20 series, where we connect with inspiring leaders, experts, and coaches as they reflect on the past decade, sharing their insights, tips, stories, and lessons, and then we look to the upcoming decade, where we discuss their hopes, dreams, goals, for their areas of expertise, and also the broader humanity. So grab your dancing shoes or your favorite drink as we head into the Roaring 20s. Hi Mel, welcome to the Heading into the Roaring Twenties podcast. Great to have you. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest. It's such a pleasure to be a guest and not the (laughs) host for once.
0: (laughs) Yes, I know exactly how you feel and I love the chance to get to meet people doing amazing work like yourself and you are a strategic communication expert. Can you tell us a bit more about what that entails? So I work
1: with senior leaders and teams, um, and sometimes with emerging leaders and aspiring leaders to help them understand how to communicate more effectively. And um, in my mind, effective communication needs to have clarity, compassion, and conviction. And if you're missing one of those three things, you're gonna really struggle to get your message out and understood.
0: So, I talk to a lot of the leaders I work with about clarity and how that's just missing in so many areas of the way that they're leading. So, I, I can get clarity and I understand that how important that is because there seems to be a murkiness quite often in um, not just communication, but in expectations. I can see people. Yeah. Um, the other one, so you talk about conviction. Tell me a bit more about that one. So
1: you need to believe your message. And if you don't believe it, then how can you expect other people to believe it and come along with you um, on whatever the journey is that you're wanting to take them on?
0: Yeah, okay. And compassion, what about that?
1: We need love in business. And we need love and kindness and gratitude and compassion encompasses all of those things. And if you're not, you know, if you don't show empathy, if you don't have an understanding of what people are going through, um, and if you're not just, you know, a good person, then again, why would people follow you and listen to you and do what you want them to do?
0: I, I'm even thinking at the simplest, are you putting yourself in the other person's shoes when you're communicating? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: That's essential. Empathy in business and empathy in
0: communication is so critical. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and how long have you been doing this work for?
1: Oh, so I started my um, practice back in 2006, and mm-hmm. before that I worked for the Queensland government. I worked as the marketing manager for the Brisbane Festival, Big performing arts festival, yeah. and before that I worked uh, as a conference organiser, organising mostly medical and legal conferences, but also a stint running all the events for Microsoft in Australia, and um, we did 300 events in that year, and if I never have to organise another event, <laughs> I'll be happy. <laughs>
0: That is a lot. Wow. It was crazy. Um, so part of these, these sessions uh, are reflecting on the past decade. But before we jump into the past decade, because we're going back a little further there, uh, organising all those events, you must have had some insights into people, into organisation, into planning. When you think about all those events that you did organise, um, can you share any lessons with us?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing it taught me was to be organised and to manage my time, particularly, Well, actually, both jobs. I did that kind of work for about four years and there were always multiple events on the go. There were always a whole range of different personalities and different clients and you had to be good at, um, I guess, a little bit of ESP, predicting what was needed before people Mm -hmm. realised that they needed it so that you could Um, solve their problems for them but also listening listening was critical and observing and asking questions so that you could have the right event at the right time with the right bums on seats and that was in the 90s so it was really when the internet was just starting I remember um, I first started organizing conferences in 1996 and in 1997 we got the internet in our office (laughs) and that was a bit of a game changer and then and then towards the end of It might have been mid-1997, we went to an online registration system and I still remember the expression of complete joy on our, our conference manager's face when 50 registrations downloaded almost automatically and took the same length of time as it normally would take her to manually input one registration. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it was just phenomenal.
0: And, and I I mean of course things like uh, other online systems and social media and all those things that have happened yeah. since you you know, back when you used to do it I'm sure it was a lot tougher.
1: Uh, it was just different and it, it was what you knew at the time so I remember when um, you know when I was organizing conferences we would have to print brochures to promote the event that we would then have to post out to our mailing list mm. and I remember thinking this is just, you know, this is a bit of work, but it's what you have to do because it's the only option. But older event managers would say to me, oh, I remember when we didn't have photocopiers and so we had to type things in triplicate. And I was there going, oh, my God, that's just, that just sounds so (laughs) carbon paper. So you've got your copies yeah, um, and on typewriters and not word processors and computers. So then, but now when I talk to event managers and say, well, we didn't have the internet, for the first bit of time I was doing it and we definitely didn't have any social media. And they look at me and they say, how did you promote your events? Mm-hmm. And then when I say, we didn't really even have mobile phones, they're like, <laughs> how did you communicate with each other? And it blows people's minds. But that was only 25 years ago. Like that yeah. was not a long time ago when you look at history. And so the way that communicate, the way we communicate from a, um, from a physical literal perspective has changed quite a bit but the essence you still need clarity you still need conviction you still need compassion you still need to ask listen and observe none of those things have changed no 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 if anything that's even more important now because we're bombarded with so many more messages
0: Uh, and and leads us beautifully to the past decade you know 2009 through to 2019 you've been running your business you've been helping people get their message out with conviction with compassion with clarity um, what are some of the, the real lessons that you think you've learnt over that period of time?
1: Oh, I've been thinking about this. two thousand This decade, I guess 2010, started out for me um, turning 40. So that was a bit of a, oh, what's happening now? <laughs> but then shortly after that, my mum died. And then shortly after that, my dad died. And it was mm. both really unexpected. And what's... Struck me and still just amazes me every day is how kind and incredible people can be when you're going through a difficult time. And you know, it was the kindness of obviously my friends and my family who really helped um, my immediate family through that awful time. But it was also the kindness of strangers and people and the kindness of my clients. Like I didn't work for about after my mother died. I just didn't work for six months. I had a complete and utter I just was so em- embedded in grief. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and my clients were just so amazing because I, I emailed them all and said, this is what's just happened. And because it was unexpected, I was in the middle of a whole bunch of different projects. Mm. And I said, I'm not available for at least three weeks and maybe not even longer. And they, so many of them came back and said, when you're ready, we're here. Um, yeah. You know, Let us know if we, what we can do to help you. And it was incredible. And those kindnesses, it really made me. It really made me, um, really me realise how business can be when you've got people, when you've got love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: And yeah. Uh, you mentioned love before, and you talk, and that's you know, love can show up in so many different ways. And mm. to have clients like that. Um, we showing that true care for somebody else. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that flexibility, I'm sure they showed you at that time oh, as well. Enormous flexibility.
1: And then when I came back to them and said, look, I'm not actually going to be working until the end, until the new year, because I just need time to process this. And I had a holiday planned and um, I had other things going on and just their willingness to accept that. And then to be there when I did come back, like I didn't lose a single client over that period of time and, that was amazing to me.
0: Well, I think that that's beautiful uh, around that kindness from them, but also mm-hmm. I think it's a reflection mm-hmm. of you and the type of person you are and the way you work with your businesses. So, um, I, and I can get in that already just from our conversation. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that um, stuff, my father passed away a few years ago and I, I've, Feel how you you would have been then, because it's um, not that long ago for myself, and I know what that was like. Mm,
1: that's for sure. mm. But I think the other thing is, I was really honest, and I'd always been very honest with all of my clients and with everybody I do business with. And I've always been—some um, people would say—an oversharer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I just think the more you know about me, then the better our relationship is going to be, and the more yeah. likely we're going to work out quickly whether we're the right people to work together or not. And Um, like I've got some clients, I've got a client who said to me a little while ago, I'm having a lot of issues with one of my staff members. There's something going on in her world and I don't know what it is. And she's not trusting me Mm. with what's happening. And I said, okay, well, um, having coffee with her, let me see what I can elicit and encourage her to have a conversation with you. Later that night, I went out for dinner with this, with this same woman. And she said to me, she was just telling me all about this personal crisis I guess that she was going through in her personal world and I said do any of your staff know about this and she said well no and I said well how do you expect them to be open and Mm. honest with you when you're not sharing what's happening in your world which is rocking your world in a really bad way with them and I said you haven't got to tell them the nuts and bolts and all the gory details but you should at least say to them these are the key highlights of what's happening in my world right now or the low lights <laughs> as it yes. was. And this is why I'm a little bit distracted yeah. um, because the more you know each other, the more you'll work more effectively together because people do business with people they know, love and trust.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it links beautifully to your key message around compassion and, and understanding each other. And we can't lose sight of the fact that we, uh, people and that you know we connect with people and we understand that and build that um, those relationships. So, um, I mean, certainly uh, great feedback to her is saying, "How can you expect someone to open up to you if you're not opening up to them?"
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need to. And you know, I do a lot of work with people to help them. Um, expand their digital footprint and to be more active on LinkedIn in particular. Mm -hmm. And I say to my clients, you need to be sharing personal stories and you need to be sharing parts of your personality. And it always surprises me when people come back to me and say, but I keep my personal world and my work world completely separate. Yeah. And I just think, how do you do that? Like, how do you show up at work and be a genuine true person that shows your genuine personality when you keep them separate?
0: Well, because they're not, are they? Then the world just doesn't not. work that way. No.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I then say you don't have to, you know, share the intimate details of your personal life, but you should at least be sharing snippets so that people can get a sense of who you are, what you stand for, what your values are. Because if you don't demonstrate your values in particular and not mm. just talking about them, but how do you live them, then younger generation aren't going to want to work for you. Younger no. generation aren't going to want to buy from you. They won't want to volunteer with you or invest with you, because they don't. They won't sense this connection and this interlocking of values, which is what yeah. they're looking for.
0: So, if a leader or if anybody is really resisting that opening up to be themselves and to share a bit about themselves to, yeah. um, you know, build those relationships, but they're really resisting that. What do you think is a really good way to help them start to move that forward and, and to shift that?
1: I help help them, um, I try to engage them in a conversation about even what they've done on the weekend. Um, Did they spend time with family? Did they spend time with friends? Did they go to see a movie? Did they play sport? Did they watch sport? Did they just relax and do nothing? Um, And how can they find little stories in their everyday that talk Mm. about things that are of value and of interest to other people? And it might be you know, with some of my clients who are really resistant, I say just what is one hobby or one thing that you do that you're happy to talk about publicly that's not work-related? Yeah. And it might be they love to bake. It might be that they're really into football. It might be that they, um, I don't know, something that's personal but doesn't talk about their, their partners, their kids, their grandkids, that sort of thing. Sometimes it's they might talk about their pets. But you have to find something that you can share that's not solely work related for people to get a better sense of who you are as an entire person.
0: Yeah. I, I think that sort of stepping into it a, a little bit, cause I think that's the fear isn't that people think, Oh, no. I have to open up the whole sort of no. of my whole life. And it's actually just about, let's just um, provide a little bit, a little bit like mm. that. I went and saw the new, Spider-Man film or something, whatever it
1: might be. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to say I had a really shit weekend because I had a fight with my wife and I think we're getting a divorce and my stepson hates me and blah, 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 Mm blah. But you could say it wasn't my best weekend and I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, but a highlight of my weekend was, I don't know, I might have read five chapters of a book that I really wanted to read or um, I went for a walk on the beach or, you know, there's always something that isn't going to open your soul up too much if you don't want to
0: yeah great i, I think that is such a powerful thing and you sort of hinted at that there also about social media and i think the the way of communicating online um but even you know the thing that stands out to me is when i catch public transport and i'm mm-hmm. on the train and everyone's just on their devices and they're just they're, they're looking at it and there's not that connection so i think do you, do you think, and I'm thinking this, that people are losing that ability to have that connection, to have those conversations because there's so much absolutely, on the
1: devices? Absolutely. You know, there's research that's come out of the UK recently that says one in eight people is addicted to their smartphone. Mm. Um, and not only are we addicted to our smartphones, but we look at them, we pick them up about 58 to 60 times a day. Most of us spend between four and five hours staring at the screen on our phone, Not, wow. and that's not looking at, computer screens or um, other screen devices that's just on our phone but when then when it comes to things like netflix reed hastings who's the ceo of netflix came out two years ago at an investor meeting and said our biggest um, competitor is sleep people need to sleep and that's why they turn off netflix
0: (laughs) well yes we do need to sleep yeah wow
1: so but but I do I, I do think um, you know we're so connected in mm. terms of a technological perspective, but in terms of an interpersonal relationship perspective, we are so disconnected today, and I think that's a massive problem for our society, particularly Western society, where technology and phones and Netflix and binge watching, and you know we, we read books on Kindles and. it's so easy now to spend time staring at a screen that we forget the art of opening our mouths and talking and having conversations and picking up the phone to make a phone call to have a conversation as opposed to a text or a facebook message or a whatsapp message
0: yeah um i've started recently i'd say in the last year a few of my clients do this they they leave uh they record a message and Mm -hmm. and it's that recorded message um, as opposed to texting and The feeling I'm getting is it's actually quite a nice way because I'm actually getting some of the emotion in the message and it's actually easier and quicker to do as well. What are your thoughts on that way of communicating?
1: Um, Look, I think it it depends on the individual. Personally, I find it far quicker to read a quick text message Mm -hmm. than it is to listen to an audio recording or watch a video of somebody. Um, So my voicemail actually says, I'm really bad at listening to messages, please send me a text. (laughs) (laughs) give me a bit of information about what it's about and then I can either um, and then I'll call you back when I've got some time to have a conversation that isn't just you know me on the fly Um, but also I can respond to a text really quickly and say thanks for your message I'm in a meeting or I'm traveling all day or I'm not available until this time can I call you then
0: I think you're hinting at something here, which I don't think enough people do, and that's actually understanding how someone wants to be communicated with. Mm. What are they, what's their preference? That's because it. some prefer text, some prefer you know on the fly, some prefer yeah. voicemail, whatever it is, yeah. but actually start have the conversation about how you wanna have the conversation.
1: Exactly, and one of the first questions I ask all of my clients is, how do you like to be communicated with? Yeah. Is it okay, like, do you like email? Do you like phone calls? Are you happy if I text you? Because if I've just got a quick question, or if I'm sending you something that um, needs a quick response, I'd, I don't want to rely on you looking at your emails at six o'clock at night. If I'm sending it at nine o'clock in the morning, can yeah. I send you a quick text to say if you have a chance today? This is what I've just done, and or do you hate text messages, or you know, do you prefer to be communicated with through LinkedIn messaging, or you know, what is it so that I can adapt my? communication style to suit your needs because you're the client. And yeah. by the way, don't leave me a voicemail because I'm never going to listen to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I guess make, make it very clear. Again, bring mm. in that clarity, how yeah. you like to be communicated with. Yeah. Now, I want to jump ahead. I want to think about the next decade. Um, okay. We've talked a bit about the past, you know, as we're about to hit the next decade in uh, not that far off. Um, roaring twenties are coming. So Mel, what do you reckon? Is, and what are some of your hopes, do you think, for this next decade?
1: Uh, hopes for me personally or hopes Oh, whatever you're
0: happy to share.
1: Oh, whatever I'm happy to share. <laughs> well, I, um, I've just been sitting down over the last week, I guess, to think about what I want for the next 12 months and a little bit more broadly about the next decade. Um, oh, my God, I'll be in my 50s in the next decade. That's a bit scary. That, makes, that <laughs> makes two of us, so that's OK.
0: I think I'm going to get there before you, by the way. When are you? Uh, uh, two years. Two
1: years. You're fifty in two years. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm fifty in about six weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> scary, scary. Um, oh, I think for me, I really believe in doing what you love. And the last, a lot of the last ten years, I like, I love my job. I love the people I work with. I'm really particular about who I work with because I want to make sure that I do love them, mm-hmm. um, and that they love me as well. And So I think more of that, um, more of my next books coming out in the new year, hopefully I'll write two or three or four more, five more or six more after that. Um, Lots more speaking, lots more, just I'm I'm curious to see what the changes with communication and technology are going to bring. Because even though I think we, like I love technology, don't get me wrong. I think we need to be more conscious about making decisions as to how we use it and when we use it yep. so that you don't just sit on the couch and think, I'll oh, just have a quick look at Instagram. And an hour later, you look up and go, What happened? Where'd that time go? How do we be more deliberate with how we use the technology? Mm-hmm. And how do we be more conscious of the relationships with people who we want to have stronger relationships with? Um, I think for organizations, Yes, AI and technology are um, replacing some people and some jobs, but I think that people-to-people, that human-to-human contact is always going to be critical. You just look at the response of people who call up a phone number and there's a a robo-person. Yes. Push this number for this, (laughs) push this button for this, push this for this. People are pushing back and resistant to... Technology taking over people's jobs in Mm. some of those ways because you want to talk to a person because it's often quicker and and kinder. Um, And then finally, I think kindness is going to play a far bigger role in the future. Um, And I think we need to be more kind and more conscious of people who are struggling because social isolation is increasing, loneliness is increasing, and not just with older people. But again, there's research out of the UK that shows the fastest growing demographic of people that's lonely are people in their 20s and i'm yeah. barely confident a lot of that's because we have relationships through our phones and um and our tablets and our computers and not in that face-to-face way mm. and when when you've got loneliness and so- social isolation that leads to stress and anxiety and depression and the number one cause of long-term absence from work due to illness is depression And anxiety. So, what is it we can do as employers and as um, leaders in the workforce to make sure that our people feel cherished and valued, and included in the work that we do um, and in the organisation? And inclusiveness is essential.
0: Yeah, and I think that that proactive sort of approach by leaders within organisations to um, show that kindness, show people that they are valued, that they appreciated, that they needed. Um, before it gets to the point that they're, you know, needing to yep. take a break or that depression is happening or that there's mental illness Absolutely. problems, but being but proactive and saying that upfront. front.
1: And, and, you know, being kind and being compassionate doesn't need to take time and it doesn't need to cost money. It can be as simple as saying, good morning, how are you? Yeah. And actually listening and having, you know, it, it one of, I was in a client's office a few weeks ago and I walked through the office and one of her staff had a desk that was covered in Star Wars figurines. Mm-hmm. There must have been 60 of them in his cubicle. And it was pretty obvious by looking at that, even for someone who's never seen a Star Wars movie, what he was into. Yeah. And so it would be very simple to have a year's worth of conversations with him because you could just ask a question about a different figurine every time you walked past or every morning or every evening. Um, somebody else in that office had photos of, but they had half a dozen photo frames on their desks and every photo frame had a picture of a different cat. Yes. So again, really obvious what that person is interested in really easy to ask questions that are of relevance to that person, because you've just got to say, what are your cat's names?
0: Yeah. And um, as a strengths coach, so I, I do a lot of work with organizations and with leaders around strengths. And a key part of that is making, is actually identifying what's right about people rather than pointing out what's wrong.
1: And I can imagine
0: the easy thing for some people to do is to point out, oh, someone's got pictures of cats, isn't that silly? Or someone's got figurines, is not that make them wrong? As opposed to, I actually want to understand that about you and connect with you. And then that person will feel much more connected as, as human to human and valued.
1: Then, when all else fails, you know, comment on somebody's dress or their shoes or their tie and pay them a small compliment because the lift that that gives people is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Now, Mel, I'm going to give you an opportunity. and I'm mindful of our time. We need to wrap up. But I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to hire a, a sky who's going to use some old technology because we are talking about the 20s. And with that sky they're going to put a message across the earth and everyone's going to see that message. They, they can't avoid it. They can't miss it. This is your message out to yeah. everyone around the world. Yeah. What is your message you would love to give to everybody to set them for success and just to set them in, in, a, in a path going forward?
1: Um, it's really simple. Just be kind.
0: <sighs> I feel that. Yeah. And you know what? At this time of year, as we're reflecting on the year and some of the things in the media at the moment and some of the, the separation and the, the, you know, the, the non-inclusiveness that is going on i think if we can be more kind to everybody in all areas of our life it would have such a ripple effect
1: yeah absolutely agree
0: thank you i I love that it's simple and so powerful thank you um where's the best one place for people to find you online
1: oh so my website is melkettle.com and that's got links to everything else um but from a social media perspective linkedin and twitter my two favorite places so if you just google mel kettle i own the first half a dozen pages with my name
0: i'm I'm
1: very convenient
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is good work from you well done um mel i love chatting to you today i love you know what you're passionate about and it's something that i'm passionate about i'm learning from you about um those the key areas of communication in to make that more effective and to really connect with people to bring that love into work and that kindness um, um, I'm looking forward to talking to you more and I'm wishing you so much success in this next decade as well. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me as a guest. It's been great to chat to you and find out more about you as well.
0: Great. Thanks, Mel.
1: Thanks, Mary. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. If you got something out of this episode, make sure you share it on social media, hashtag energy, and also use the hashtag Roaring20s and look out for the next episode of the Roaring20s podcast series.